0: with us this morning as we open in worship, as we sing that great hymn. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of
1: the Lamb, redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child forever I am, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that His light and His presence with me does continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child of forever I am. I know I shall see in His beauty. Guard my footsteps, giving me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lord.
2: morning everybody how you doing well before I ask you to just turn around and shake a hand around you and just welcome everybody here to Sunset Hills let me give you a verse about redemption um, it's wonderful here Psalm 111 9 says he provides redemption for his people he or, he has ordained his covenant forever holy and awesome is his name so that little intro into our public worship gathering is kind of a sum total of a gospel presentation like redemption is something that you and I we need but here's the wonderful news about it it's something that we can't necessarily do without the blood of Christ the sacrifice that he had given to sinful humanity which is you and me and he gives that freely he gives that willingly and that makes then our public worship gatherings a celebration because then we're not shackled with the pretense of thinking that we have to earn it but it's by his grace that we get it and so isn't that wonderful to be able to be in community together from the diversity of our backgrounds the walks of our life and even the experiences that we've gone through not just uh, in our lives but maybe just a few hours ago a few days ago and so that brings us in at a level place I've always appreciated this I've heard it from an old-time preacher years ago the ground is level at the foot of the cross What a great truth that is for us when we sing a song about redemption. So with that in mind, I hope that you'll just continue to see that this worship service is ours to be able to lift the roof off of this building, to celebrate, to be able to enjoy, to hear a sermon preached for our hearts to be able to apply and all those other good things. Um, I hope you got a bulletin. There's a lot of information, a lot of great things. If you're new with us, you can text HI to that text number right there. We'd love to respond to that. We're grateful that you're here. If you're brand new, you've been coming for a little while, um, welcome to Sunset Hills. For all of you who are just hometown folks and familiar faces, um, welcome back. Welcome being here every Sunday. It's so good to be in the house. Let me open it up in a word of prayer as we just continue to go forward in, in our public worship father god i just thank you so much for just bringing us here some of us it was a struggle maybe just to wake up and get here this morning Um, we're dealing with stuff we've we've got life issues and to come here uh, we're just we're asking for just a a time of of um, revelation of peace of assurance. and god i just pray that this time of public worship of this time of gathering with one another before you would be a time of refreshing and, Lord, that we would be able to cast our anxieties and our cares upon you because, God, your word says that you care for us, that you, you listen as we pray. You, you are attentive to your will in the times of our prayer. And so, God, I just thank you for this opportunity of, of public worship. Um, it is um, not just something that it should be rote or routine, but it's, it's a revelation for our lives each and every time that we can experience it together. So I just thank you for the worship team. I thank you that they'll be able to lead us into public worship through song. And I I thank you for the opportunity of hearing from your word that's going to be preached publicly, that, Lord, that it would be uh, effective and effectual, that um, it would go out and not return void. And, Lord, our fellowship, it would be just one of rich uh, koinonia, a gathering that, Lord, we just claim Jesus and proclaim him as king of our church and uh, savior and ruler. And we love you, Lord. We thank you for that. And uh, we're looking forward now as we just enter into this time of worship. And we ask all this in the good name of Jesus and God's people said. Amen.
1: In all the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break, his broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? For our God is a lion, the lion of Judah is roaring with power and fighting our battle. our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the Lion and way before the king of kings and our god who came to save is here to set the captives free for who can stop the lord almighty our god is like the lion of judah he's roaring Slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks chains, and every knee will bow before the light. Sin of the world His blood blood brings chains And every split the sky Let the people clap Their hands and cry It's not for us It's all for you Sing it out this morning Not to us Not to us But to your name Be the glory Not to us But to your name Be the glory unfold before your throne, the only place for those who know, it's not for us, it's all for you, send your holy fire on this offering. let our worship burn for the world to see, it's not for us, it's all for you. not to us but to your name be the glory not to us but to your name be the glory the earth is shaking the mountains shouting it's all for you the waves are crashing the sun is raging it's all for you Universe spinning and singing, it's all for you. Your children dancing, 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 it's all for you. It's all for. for the was, it was not, not, to us. Us. Not, not to us, not to yeah. us.
0: Hey, this next song we're gonna do, it's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, If there's ever been a song uh, that I wished I had written, uh, this would be that song. And I love that bridge that says that that God's goodness just comes running after us. That we can't even outrun His goodness. When we try to be faithful, that God's goodness just chases us down. And that's just a promise of His. Sing this with us this morning goodness of God. of your goodness here this morning, Lord. We're so, so grateful, Lord, and just overwhelmed, God, that even in our days that we are not faithful, that, Lord, you are, and your goodness, it just chases after us, Lord. And God, I just pray that we never take that goodness for granted here today. Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, God, I just pray that your spirit would be ever-present. God, I already feel it. Lord, speak to our hearts today, and Lord, give us direction, and, Lord, we'll promise to follow that. Lord, in everything that we do here today, let's give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this
3: morning. Good morning, Sunset Hills. And it's good to see you on this holiday weekend. You surprise me. Thank you for coming to church today. Good number here. I was in sheer panic just a moment ago because I had looked up on my phone the words to that song that uh, worship team just did because I was going to just kind of go over the first verse and I had it all ready to go and one of those pop-up ads popped up said cut the cable so you know I can't give you the words to that but isn't God good and he's always constantly running after us his goodness never Ceases. His mercies are new every morning, right? Right? Are you here? I mean, you've been singing so well. I ask you a question and it's like, oh, well, here we go with the sermon. It's like, I hope you stay with me better than what you are now, right? You just stand up a minute. Let's get to going, right? Go ahead, stand up if you can. If you can't, it's all right. Stay seated. All right, thank you for standing. Now you're going to stay that way the rest of my sermon. That'll (laughs) teach you. You'll be seated. Have you ever stopped to consider the incredible number of people the Gospels record Jesus interacting with? I just seem to have lost my volume. So if we could go back up to where it was, thank you. There were people from all walks of life that produced some uh, incredible and fascinating stories. And through them, these people had interactions with Jesus. And in those interactions, we learned much about the nature of Christ, who he was. He interacted with rich and poor with people considered bad and those who everyone else thought were good. There were those who were sick, some of which had already died, and he had interaction with even while they were dead and they came back to life. He hung around people who had the most despised uh, type of occupations of the day, and he was seen with women who had questionable reputations. You could find him in the middle of the religious leaders and even met with uh, politically powerful and connected individuals. Some were influential leaders, and many were considered the lowest of the low that everyone else just cast off, said, We have nothing to do with them. From young children to old men and women, many were just faces randomly picked out of a crowd as he was passing by. Like the little boy who was picked out of a crowd on a day when people were hungry. Or like the man called Simon of Cyrene when he was carrying his cross and he could no longer take it. And he was picked out by a Roman soldier and says, You, you carry the cross. His encounters made famous names like Mary Magdalene, Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, Pilate, Barabbas, and Saul, who later would become known as Paul, that we're all familiar with. Of course, there were the disciples, Thomas, Matthew, James the Greater, Judas, Thaddeus, Simon, Bartholomew, Philip, John, James the Lesser, Peter, Andrew, and, of course, Judas Iscariot. All names of real people whom history would record their interactions with God's Son. And then there were others that their names were not known. They were simply known as a title. The woman at the well, the leper, the paralytic, a sinful woman, Legion, and two other men known as the thieves on a cross. And this is the story about Jesus going to the cross, but not in, inside of this story about him going that day to the cross. There's a secondary story that takes place within the main story, the main story is certainly about Jesus and He's on His way to be crucified. Obviously, it's a big deal, but in the middle of this most important story is the story of two criminals. So I want to take a look at some incredible drama that takes place of these three men now that are hanging on the crosses. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn to Luke, that's where I'm going to be reading from, chapter 23, and I'm reading from the New Living uh, Testament. Luke 23:32. two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, and when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. You just let this scene kind of pop into your mind. I know we've depicted it many times, we've seen... Hollywood films made about it, but just kind of let your mind focus maybe on this cross as Jesus is led up the mountain to this place of execution, and the thieves, they're coming along behind him, and they're dragging their crosses also as they're walking up to death. They saw the crowds, these two criminals, as they'd gathered to watch. Not to watch them, per se. I mean, many of these crucifixions had taken place. It was a common thing. So the crowds did not show up to see these criminals get what they deserve. However, they were there to watch the crowd as Jesus was led up. And they were curious about this. And on his way up, he was mocked. He was ridiculed. He suffered from being whipped and beaten beyond recognition. He would become a victim of the cruelest form of of, of, of punishment known and subjected, subjected to sure and utter agony. And to beat all. He's hanging between two criminals, bad guys. The King James Version calls them malefactors. I have no idea, really, of who these criminals are, just what's recorded in this particular part of Scripture, but they're known as also as thieves, Some have speculated that maybe they were part of some rebels uh, of some sort, perhaps members of a gang who were known for violently ambushing, unsuspecting people. Some even go to the extent of saying they were part of Barabbas' gang. Violent men, no doubt, who preyed upon the innocent. They assaulted the defenseless and they took from the rich... Not just the rich, but the poor. And they kept it for themselves. Not fit to live so bad that the Roman government is carrying out this this, uh, capital punishment on them. As Jesus was placed on the cross, they were observing much of what was taking place. Now we begin kind of as their reaction of what happened. Maybe they had noted that Jesus did not curse those who were doing the deeds of nailing Him to that cross. They had heard the insults, people shaking their heads and saying, making fun you, you are going to destroy the temple and build it back in three days then surely you can save yourself here come on down from the cross if you're the son of God they, they captured all of those things in their minds they had listened to the chief priests the teachers of the law and the elders mocked Jesus were told in Matthew chapter 27 amazingly They had witnessed as Jesus had not responded to any of those things that were happening. And how do these thieves, these criminals, react to all this drama? Well, if you go to Matthew again to 27, you'll find the robbers who were crucified with him, they joined in and heaped insults on the Messiah joining in the abuse. They both curse him. Incredibly, they don't seem to know it, and even if they do, it does not matter to them that these criminals are hurling insults, not to just any ordinary man, but they're hurling insults to God himself. Now, in my book, doesn't seem to be very smart I have thought about you know there used to be a commercial on TV I can't remember exactly all of the who it was and the product and things of that nature but there was like a butter commercial or something you know and you remember that butter commercial and it was like uh, somebody said something and uh, lightning strikes and a woman says, it's not, it's not wise or smart to, to mess with Mother Nature. Do anybody remember that commercial? Yeah, let me see your hands if you do. All of you are like 60 and older probably. That's <laughs> still there. getting close it seems like this kind of deal here it's when they're yelling all of this stuff and Jesus like are you stupid like you willing to take that kind of risk has anyone ever really been yelled at by some I'm not talking about your wives or your husbands or your kids But someone that, like, really been upset with you and you've really been yelled at and just abused and you really had nothing to do with the situation that they're so angry about and it's like, whoa, they're threatening. How do you react in that kind of situation? I had someone do that to me. Uh, it's been several years ago it happened in this building actually caught me after a worship service i'm like all of a sudden i walk into this situation this guy's just he's so angry and i'm thinking where is all this anger coming from and I'm trying my best to kind of wrap my head around what's going on with this guy and how he's responding and, and how, can I, how can I speak into this situation? How can I back it down a little bit to, to get to a conversation level? And it's just not happening. And finally, after he just was starting to insult me. Oh, by the way, he insulted Kelly as well. In fact, it was all about Kelly, pretty much. I took all I could. That's how I reacted. And my hands hurt just as much that day as they hurt today. Because that's the natural, that is the natural reaction that we have. I'm okay on my watch. That really is kind of how we respond. We want to give back equal or more to what's happening, but not Jesus. Watch what Jesus says. I don't know where that came from. I was just checking to see if y'all were still with me. <laughs> just kind of spoiled the moment there. Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It's incredible response it's not like me saying this guy was so angry I forgive you just words tossed at me looking back I should have been able to handle it much differently here's Jesus all those bad things that happened to him well, they've been treated. Even the people that are hanging on both sides of him are yelling these horrible things to him. Save yourself! Aren't you God? Yet Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Scripture goes on to say, the crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. It's just a really good thing that Jesus didn't do exactly what he could have done to just hop off of that cross and come down and try to save himself. Because him not saving himself gave salvation to the world, to me. Soldiers mocked him, too, By offering a drink of sour wine, and they said to him, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. It just keeps going. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, hanging beside him, scoffed. So, you're the Messiah, how this one reads, this version. Are you? Prove it by saving yourself and... Us too, my rat it, i this thief. He wanted Jesus to be the Christ that everybody talked about, this incredible man that no doubt he'd heard stories of how he had brought people back from the dead, and surely if he could do something like that, he could just have us jump right off of this cross and take care of us, save us. The same one had just hurled insults and commands, him now to perform an act of salvation. The same one where there's really no repentance about what he's done. There's not even this, if you will save me, I'll, I'll get my life all together. I I, you can count on me. I, I'll go and I'll tell everybody what you did for me on the cross that day, of how, how you saved my life. I'll do better. He doesn't go there. It's a picture of a man. Who has such hardness in his heart, he refuses to really accept responsibility for those actions and what he's done. And that's the story of one thief. But as the other one is hanging there, who's been a participant in these, some of these same things, something begins to happen in his life. Initially, he mocked Jesus just as the others did. But somewhere in the midst of all of this pain and agony, a transformation begins to happen. We're not told exactly what started the change in the dying thief maybe he started remembering those stories that Jesus had told that taught such powerful messages or possibly how he healed the sick the lame and the demon possessed and if he could do that for them then maybe he could do something for me could it have been the talk of how He raised a young girl from the dead or Lazarus from the tomb? Perhaps is part of what influenced Him was how Jesus responded all those times when people were hurling insults at Him and when He hang, was hanging there, said, Father, forgive them. Maybe that's what it was. But one thing we know for sure... So radical change happened in a matter of minutes from this guy going from cursing Jesus to now asking for Jesus to do something. Actually, before he even gets to that point, he says to the other criminal, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? Just imagine this conversation. It's not like I just read it. Don't you fear God? He's looking over to the guy, and maybe he was on this side, I don't know. But maybe he's looking to the guy and says, Man, you're dying. And in this guy's pain and agonies, he's trying to lift himself up to. Try to take in enough breath to tell the other guy, don't you fear God. And then something incredible happens. And I assume just with everything that was in him to be able to say the words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Something in this guy had convinced him that this really truly was the Son of God. And he believed that Jesus could actually save him. Maybe from being nailed to the cross, probably not. But could save him for whatever was coming next. I don't know what's coming, Jesus, but whatever it is, I want to be a part of that—that that kingdom that you have talked about. I, I just want to—I want to be included in that. And I'm putting my faith and my trusting you that you're capable of doing this. And Jesus replies to him again in agony, and pain, trying to muster up through the, the all of those pushing himself on up on the cross. Jesus says to him, incredible promise. That, That promise is still available for people today that says, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. In this most vulnerable place and position, he's confidently assuring this thief, undeserving, a common criminal... Sentenced to die, someone who didn't deserve it and could do nothing for himself to acquire the salvation. And he gets an incredible promise. What a day for a dying thief! to be able to know that he was going to shortly close his eyes in physical death and waken in paradise with the Almighty God. Would you pray with me, please? It's an incredible thing, Father. It's an incredible thing of what we've gleaned from this story already. And yet, we're not quite there yet of responding to it. We just, I just want to pause in the middle of the sermon and just say, thank you for that, that thing, that that promise that was made to this dying thief that that promise is available to every one of us today who yet to receive it. And I pray the rest of this message if not the first part already will speak to us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Do you remember your first sin? I really can you look back in your life and remember the very first time you committed a sin? I was thinking about this as I was working on my sermon, and you may not realize it, but I've always been pretty picky about my hair, especially when it came to haircuts. I'm not ex- exactly sure I've been so picky about it. Maybe it was because I was the only one in my family that had red hair or... Uh, Maybe it was because out of all my brothers, there were four of us. When we were little, Dad would always talk, take everybody to the barber shop, and all my brothers got those crew cuts, you know, before they were really famous. I mean, they were really popular years ago, and then they kind of went away, and people had the mullets and all that, and and now people it, they shave their heads just for I don't know that I guess they think they look better, Sean. Nor am I. I don't know. Tell me why, but. <laughs> You know, people just do it and, and so they but me I never had my head shaved except twice and it really caused a lot of problems between my mom and dad my mom made my dad promise he would never do that again so I had longer hair in the middle I was shaved you, know, you get the point she used to tell a story about when I was about four years old my dad had taken us to get haircuts and when we got home I went off all by myself not liking a haircut that I got I stayed by myself until they started missing me. So they looked, and when they found me, according to my mom, I was hiding in the bathroom. In our bathroom back in the day, you might remember, especially if you're more than 60, there were, sinks did not have cabinets underneath them, and people would put curtains around them to kind of cover up the plumbing underneath anybody remember that you know you know what I'm saying and so I was under the sink I had the curtain closed and I was had a mirror and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was doing this I was pulling up my hair as I was looking and I would say a bad word they cut my hair too short and according to my mom they so they were looking for me they found me and they 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 heard me and they snuck into the bathroom and that's how they found me and I just over and over and I said this four letter word they cut my hair too sh- short I almost said it then <laughs> I didn't mean to but I don't remember if I ever did that for sure or not, but she says I did, then I guess it happened. I guess that would have been my first sin. Not really, but I don't know for sure. I don't really remember my first sin, officially. Chances are you don't either. There's reality that we don't have to teach people how to sin. I said this a few weeks ago, remember, in one of the sermons? I'm really thinking, I mean, really, where did you learn to sin? Which side of the family did it come from? <laughs> your father's side, your mother's side, you know. I would ask my mom when she would tell this story about me saying this four-letter word, where did it come from? And she would always say it was My grandmother. I always thought that was odd because my grandmother used to whistle what a friend we have in Jesus and sing and all this and she said she would use that word and that's where I learned it from. I don't know, maybe I did. The reality of, reality of it is though that we do not have to be taught the sin. It comes natural. It's an unlearned ability. Unfortunately. And here's another reality. We all do wrong. We just have this innate ability to gravitate towards sin. Doing wrong comes naturally. We don't really have to learn how to sin. So when we look at this passage in Luke 23, it's not really all that hard for us to relate to these criminals. Now you may not have been convicted of a crime. You may not have stolen and, and gotten yourself in trouble time after time after time until it's, you're on the verge of punishment like they received, but you have done wrong. If you ever lied, you sinned. If you ever took anything, you've sinned. If you ever cheated on something? I got news for you, that's sin. If you ever thought about getting even with someone, like slamming your hands down on a table, you ever lusted? I mean, we could go on and on. We're just kidding ourselves if we think we are innocent. It's easy, however, for us to kind of sit back and cast judgment on a criminal who's being walked to his execution. Easy for us to do that. But we're not really that far away in God's economy of where they were. Because no one is without guilt we all have sin, So we almost could have been like those people in the crowd in verses 35 and 36 where it said that people just kind of stood by and they stared at all of this that was taking place. This innocent man was being murdered. It's a possibility that even some people that were in the crowd that day that Jesus may have even helped and blessed earlier in their lives or maybe even earlier in the week. And there they do. What do they do? They stand there and they do nothing. They didn't speak up on his behalf. They didn't fight to stop them from what they were doing. They don't do anything. What do they do? They let an innocent man go to his death. And on and on it goes, the religious people did nothing. The soldiers mocked him, the ones who met, were supposed to be the ones keeping order. Yet, they're mocking and torturing Jesus. And all around him, all this evil is taking place. This passage might be about two criminals and a Savior. When you stop and think and see the whole scene, no one around there was without guilt. Everyone was in a fallen condition. One well, of the criminals speaks, not in a nice way. I sort of covered this already, but just to kind of put it back into the story. Aren't you God? Save us. Emphatically, he's declaring, Aren't you God? Then do something about this situation. If you are who you say you are, then prove it. What he's really saying is get me out of the situation that I'm in. Criminal. Hanging on a cross 2,000 years ago. But in a sense, we've heard that question before in our time Aren't you God? And get me out of the situation. Show me what you can do, God, and then I'll believe. Win me over. Prove who you are. And it kind of brings up the situation, the thought, that I hope we can take a lesson out of this. When you need God the most, really why do you question Him? When I'm in my darkest hour, why is it that I question God? Hey, God, don't you see what's happening here? Can't you speak into this situation? Are you paying attention to what's happening? Before we get really too upset with this criminal, we have to kind of step back and say, have I put myself in that place at some point? Aren't you, God? God? I may not have yelled out in an insulting way, but I've thought about it, haven't you? More times than what I want to admit. If you are God, then why don't you do something about this situation? It's where this man is. You remember I did a... a, a sermon a few weeks ago. I'm not even going to ask you to hold your hands up because some of you all won't, you won't remember it, so I'm going to let you off the hook on this. But it was a sermon when bad is good. If there ever was a situation where bad is good, certainly this must be a situation. So we see what's happening to Jesus. Well, here's a point that kind of goes with that. Just because evil is present doesn't mean God is absent. You say amen to that? Just because evil is present. Let me put it back in the context of my sermon a few weeks ago. Just because bad is present doesn't mean God isn't good. Or just because bad is present doesn't mean good is not happening when God's involved in it. And just because God doesn't change your immediate circumstances does not mean He doesn't care about you or that He doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that, that He's forgotten you. Well, I think most of us may have maybe been guilty of asking that question from time to time, when you're in the heat of a situation, Maybe you get to a point where you look back and say, Man, what was I thinking to be questioning God? I mean, I could stand up here and say God is sovereign. And I could really put some emphasis with it. And if you're really really with me, you would probably go, Amen. If I say God is in control you would probably say, Amen, right? If I said, God is all-powerful, you would say, Amen. I mean, we know the Scripture from Isaiah 55, 9. I, I don't think the way you think, God says. The way you work isn't the way I work, God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work and the way I think is, is beyond the way you think we kind of get that we understand it and when we put it in that context of asking god why it sounds sort of trite after the fact but yet we still ask the question aren't you god this man is asking god and if there's one thing that we can take away from this sermon today actually i hope you take about a hundred things away but know this just because evil is present doesn't mean god is absent so after this criminal goes on this tirade against jesus he says if you're who you say are save yourself save us while you're at it it's a pretty bold command and when you stop and think of it why should jesus save him what did this guy ever do to deserve being saved by Jesus? Let me change that question. What have we ever done to deserve being saved by Jesus? The answer is a nothing. The very best we have are just filthy rags before Christ the fact that you woke up this morning and that you're here is only by the grace of God that allowed you to do so every breath I breathe is afforded to me only because God allows it We saw the response of the one criminal who looks at this guy who's doing so many insults toward God, making these commands, and it's beginning to sink into him. This, this all doesn't make sense. I mean, why does this guy deserve to live? How can he even begin to ask Jesus to do something about his situation? He begins to understand that he deserves to die just like I deserve to die, he's thinking. I've done all of these things. I mean, I'm here because I was supposed to be here based on what I've done. That's, I should have realized that long before, and this was the road I was traveling, and it got me to this place where I'm nailed to this cross, and there's not anything at all that I can do. I am hopelessly nailed here, attached to this cross. And I look at this man here, and he doesn't deserve to be here. He's done nothing wrong. And you know what? Whether it's just like the guy it's over here, or it's just like the guy over here, we have been or are, in that same situation. Our cross just looks different. We're nailed to it, helpless to do anything whatsoever about our sin. And yet, we look at the guy in the middle, the one who hung on a cross that looks similar to that. And we have to confess, he's done no wrong. He did not deserve what's happened to him. We have to get to that point where just like the man hanging on the cross proclaim the innocence of Jesus. He recognizes his desperate, sinful, and lost condition. And his only hope was in Jesus. And that's where our hope lies. What's that song we sing? Jesus, only Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This man understands there's something totally different about Jesus. And he says, in very succinct, simple words, Will you save me? Have mercy on me. And Jesus says, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. And I got a feeling that such peace came over this man, even in the midst of all of his agony and pain, excruciating hurt from the crucifixion, that in that split second, he acquires a spiritual peace that he had never had in his life. It's that feeling that comes over you when you know that Jesus has done for you what needed to be done. Have you ever experienced it? That no matter what comes up, I know and can trust and put my faith in the sufficiency of what Jesus did. I can trust Him. Let me close with a scripture from the message from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 that if you've ever had that spiritual peace that came from giving your life to Jesus Christ, you understand what this says. God rescued us from the dead. Let me rephrase it. God pulled you off of that cross. He rescued us from dead in alleys and dark dungeons. He sets us up in the kingdom of the Son. He loves so much you get it I'm coming out of that world of darkness where I hurt other people into a kingdom that I don't deserve that I didn't do anything for but that is full of love and mercy and grace it's a kingdom that 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 was there because Jesus was providing it for us that he took on that sin that we have and we become heirs to it the son who got us out of the pit we were in got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repenting if you're a believer you know what you can do you can add your name to that long list of people that jesus had interaction with and if you're not you're just like this guy Would you bow your heads in prayer? Search us, Father, right now. May we ask ourselves the question, is my name written in a long list of names that's had the right kind of interaction with Jesus to the point that we have asked him to save us from our sins, to rescue us from those dead-end transgressions that we've committed. And we've kind of stepped into the love of God that was provided through Jesus Christ. Is my name there? If it's not, Father, I pray that today we'll settle it and allow you to write our name into that book of life. Because we chose Jesus, only Jesus, to save us from our sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand. God's leading you to make some decision right now in this time of invitation. Let me encourage you to do so as we sing.
1: Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place I can feel his mighty power and his grace I can hear the brush of angels' wings I see glory on each face surely the presence of the lord is in this place yes surely the presence of the lord is in this place i can feel his mighty power and his grace I uh,
3: don't just have to be here in this place to know your presence a man hanging on a cross got to experience your presence a crowd on the darkest day in history got to experience your presence it's amazing how people respond Responded, how Jesus responded, so that we could truly know what it is to have your presence in our lives. So, as we leave this place here shortly, our Father, may we take with us that assurance of knowing that no matter what we're doing, where we are, maybe even in the midst of some of our darkest days, you're there walking with us assuring us of your beautiful promise that today today, tomorrow whenever the time comes as believers and having faith in Jesus Christ we can be in paradise with you in Christ's name we pray Amen Maybe seated, please. Amen, everybody. Maybe seated. We've got
0: yeah. just a couple of quick announcements. Pastor Steve, I only feel like it's fair. You started that story that uh, I don't want to leave people hanging, feel like I did something horrible. So the, the conversation was <laughs> You did over. not do
3: it that time.
0: No, I didn't do it that time. The conversation was over the songs I was choosing. He didn't like the songs that I was choosing for worship. And um, I remember when I found out that he, he, left the, he left the church, and I remember that next Sunday singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Come on. Come on, let's... come on up, Danny. Talk about men's ministry retreat.
4: Okay. Good morning or afternoon. Uh, two quick announcements. First, next Saturday is our men's breakfast. And uh, last breakfast, uh, we had Pete Mosley speak, and we had over 30-some men come. It was a great time, and so thank you, Pete. Uh, We also had bacon. Did I mention bacon? And uh, we'll have a great Saturday morning. The second thing, though, I do want to remind you of the men's retreat. And now, for you procrastinators, uh, we, we are running out of time. And so next Sunday is the last time to sign up. I have to give a final count. And so next Sunday. So uh, today, if you'd like to sign up, uh, Louis and John will be in the back at the welcome kiosk. Just let us know that you're coming. And then for those who have already signed up, uh, please make sure to put a check in the offering boxes in the back for 95 if you've not done so already. And just mark in the ledger, men's retreat. Now, um, I know that you're trying to, some of you guys are trying to decide, am I going to get a better offer on the 22nd and 23rd of September? I'm going to tell you now, you're not. Because we have a great time. And you'll build new relationships, you'll hear God's word, and we will have lots of food and lots of fun. So I want to encourage those men with not not signed up yet this will be a great investment of a of a day really it's a day we start at 6 p.m. and we'll be done in a Saturday afternoon so please pray about it and we'd love for you to come now I had a couple folks come up to me say hey I want to help inspire some of the younger men to come and so we have two scholarships available so if you're a student in college or in high school and you would like to attend be the first to come see me i've got two free admissions all right so uh remember next sunday's last last day thank you
0: thank you danny i want to highlight uh one of our ladies ministry uh events coming up soup with a purpose monday september 25th uh, man what a great dual night a night of fellowship our ladies are going to get together and share some of their favorite homemade soups and then they'll also be um working and praying for the uh, the coats from the coat drive. Uh, so I just think that's a, a great night. Uh, so make plans to be a part of that. Um, stand with us as we close and worship. And uh, you're going to pray us out here. All the uh, rest of the announcements are in the bulletin there. So uh, take time to check those out, read those, and uh, plug in because uh, it makes life just so much more meaningful when you're doing it with people that, that love the Lord. Lord, we thank you, God, for uh, today. Guys, as we go out into our mission field, God, uh, let us glorify you in everything that we do, lift your name up, reflect your, your love and mercy and, and all the things that um, you show to us, Lord. We love you today. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.